0: According to new polls, the religiosity of Democrats is falling. In fact, religiosity has been falling in the U.S. for a long time. But what's that mean for the country? As far as I can tell, the numbers don't paint the whole picture. Some people might be getting more apathetic, but others are getting more extreme. We're in a very polarized environment right now. We're going to take a closer look at the polling and see where atheists stand as a voting bloc. The Westboro Baptist Church, a cult famous for pushing the legal boundaries of the First Amendment, are in a tough spot right now. The group is famous for protesting funerals with the most vile, vicious, horrific rhetoric you can imagine. But thanks to the First Amendment, which I do respect, They're allowed to do it. Unfortunately for them, they've been struggling to spread their hate because there just aren't any public funerals taking place right now. So what's been going on lately in the little hate-filled world of the Westboro Baptist Church? We're going to take a look at the group and see what they're up to. But before we get into all that, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. That's 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up.
1: Hi, Owen. This is Julie from Indiana. Um, I have, you know, like many people, have been going through um, depression and things like that during these crazy times, Um, and my sister-in-law has been using it to sort of proselytize to me. She recommended the book Case for a Creator by Lee Strobel, I was just wondering if, uh, I guess he was a former atheist and then went the other way. Um, I didn't know if that was uh, someone you were familiar with or any of or, you know, your fellow atheists or anything, knew anything about that. I'm just curious if it's worth me reading and trying to be you know skeptical and looking at the other side of things, uh, if you thought that that was worth it or not. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you for the phone call. I really appreciate that. So what you—I do know Lee Strobel, to answer your question. Uh, I don't think that Lee Strobel's book is worth the read, personally. I can understand looking at the other side. That's 100% acceptable, obviously. In fact, I encourage you to look at the other side. But in your endeavor to look at the other side, quote-unquote, you're going to have to look at an awful lot more than just Christianity because there isn't really a—it's not a dichotomy, really— there, it isn't atheism or Christianity. There's atheism and Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism and just a billion other Sikhs and all kinds of other religions that you're going to have to look at in addition to just Christianity. One of the things that Christians like to do is set up this false dichotomy where it's either Christianity or nothing. That's 100% not the case. That's just not how it works. So as far as Lee Strobel goes, the guy claims that he was an atheist, but I feel like that claim is, I feel like what he's doing with that is trying to use that claim to kind of bolster his own credibility. Like, look, I was on this side and now I'm not on this side, so I understand that side really well. Who who knows? Maybe he didn't believe in God at some point. Maybe he was skeptical. Who knows? But at this point in my life, I can't imagine going back to religion because it, it, it it's like, once you realize how ridiculous religion is, it's it's a one-way street. How do I take it seriously after basically the blinders were removed? Like, how could I possibly take Jehovah's Witnesses seriously? It's absolutely absurd. All the claims that they offer up, they're ridiculous. Give that some thought when looking into other religions. Uh Christianity isn't the only religion out there. There are a lot of them. And not just that, but there are a lot of mutually exclusive denominations within Christianity. You could research Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Pentecostals, any number of little tiny sects or denominations. It's S E C T S. Any any number of them. Baptist, Methodist, in my own research and studies, I have come to the conclusion that the claims that Christians make about the Bible are so incredible and ridiculous. I could never take them seriously. I I have honestly tried. I've tried. But they're ridiculous. They are caricatures of themselves. So anyway, appreciate the phone call. Really interesting uh, question. Thank you for that voicemail. Lee Strobel's just a propagandist. He, I wouldn't even bother with Lee Strobel. There are, try Bart Ehrman. Why don't you read a book by Lee Strobel and then read one by Bart Ehrman? Try that. Bart Ehrman was a, a a Christian who believed in the complete inerrancy of the Bible, believed that there were zero errors and zero contradictions in the Bible, and he went to college to prove that and learned ancient Hebrew, learned Aramaic, learned all these ancient languages, Greek and everything, to prove that the Bible was inerrant. And by the time he finished his PhD program, he was like, this is complete bullshit. I could not possibly believe that this is true. It's outrageous.
1: Hey Owen, my name is Conrad. Um, I've been doing some research lately, and I've heard of this uh, discovered this thing called Religious Trauma Syndrome, um, and a Dr. Marlene Winnell, and I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks a bunch. I really appreciate what you do.
0: I actually, I've known about Religious Trauma Syndrome for years, actually. I even talked about it in some of my older videos, but it's it's a fairly new concept. It's not very old. So I figured what we would do is we would just take a quick glance at this article about it. As you mentioned, it it was kind of invented, I guess you could say, conceptualized by Marlene Winnell. Let me just define it before we actually read the article. The definition is RTS, or Religious religious Trauma Syndrome, is a function of both the chronic abuses of harmful religion and the impact of severing one's connection with one's faith and faith community. It's a huge shock to the system and one that needs to be recognized as trauma. So that is what Religious Trauma Syndrome is. Now let's just give this short article a read. The Recovery Process. Breaking away from your faith has an impact on your life, and probably a profound one. You may be feeling confused, guilty, empty, or bitter. You may be depressed about life or scared of the future. Perhaps you have trouble connecting with other people and life in the world, quote unquote. You are not alone in your experience. Many, many others have been through this and gone on to reconstruct their lives in meaningful and satisfying ways. While the experience of losing your religion is often painful and confusing at first, there's much to be learned and ultimately a profound maturity to be gained. This book can provide some assistance in your recovery by clarifying the issues involved." So this is about the book that this woman wrote, Dr. Marlene Winnell, and this is is actually on the website Recovering from Religion. It's an extremely valuable book, very interesting, worth the read. She's not paying me to say this, I just think it's an interesting subject to cover. So give it a look if you're interested. Religious trauma syndrome hasn't gotten the recognition that it deserves yet, but it is a legitimate study in psychology now. It is recognized as a legitimate study in psychology. So if you're not sure what to study in college right now, you're just getting out of high school or something, psychology may be an interesting field for you to cover and maybe... Put an emphasis on religious trauma syndrome it is an interesting subject and you, who knows how many people you could help uh, ultimately by learning about it
1: yo tail my name is william i watch your channel a lot uh i'm not an atheist but i did have a question i think you i was wondering if you could go over uh why the mormons tend to guilt people and to go into church with them i was going with my parents Forced to grow up, going back, and then left again. And now my parents have told everybody that I'm not going. And I'm having everybody blow out my phone, blowing out my Facebook, coming all over. And I pretty much slammed the door on the missionaries several times a week. Not lately with the coronavirus, but if you could let me know that, that'd be great. See you. Bye.
0: Thank you for the phone call. I I appreciate that. The answer to your question, why do they keep harassing you? Is because that's what cults do. I say that in a completely unironic way. I'm not trying to insult or hurt anybody's feelings or anything. That's just that's how cults operate. That's how they control people. They try to drag you back in if they see you leaving they go out and try to drag you back, kicking and screaming. With Jehovah's Witnesses, they do these things called shepherding calls where if you aren't showing up to the meetings enough, like if you aren't, if you miss a meeting or if you miss one or two meetings or if you're not going in service like you were before or something, they'll send elders to your door to knock on your door and ask you what's going on, ask you why you're not showing up and why you're fading, why you're not doing as well, why you're dying spiritually. That's how cults operate. They don't want you to leave. There's power in numbers and they know that and they desperately want to keep people at any cost, any cost. So anyway, that's why they're harassing you. If you tell them to leave you alone or you'll file a restraining order or something, then that may actually do the trick. Hi, Owen. Ma, I'm... My
1: name is James from Illinois, and I've been watching your videos for quite a while now. I actually do enjoy them, except there is one thing that uh, that I really don't appreciate and don't really like too much is how you're always how you how how uh, you misinterpreted and miss like missed a few key points on your your videos claiming to debunk Mormonism. Uh myself and I am a Mormon and it's not about the dot whether or not the doctrine is true. It's about the feelings that we get from from being a part of a family and I really don't see the problem with with having with having pe with having a family in a in a church.
0: Okay. I appreciate the phone call and I understand that it probably took some courage to contact me with this. Um, If you like the content that I put out and now you're hearing me criticize your belief system, I can imagine that it was probably pretty jarring to you to hear me kind of go at what you believe. But I just want to point something out. First of all, the videos that I put out, I assume if they're older than two months, they're all wrong. I assume if... <laughs> I mean, this probably isn't accurate. I put a lot of time and work into my videos. And if if an error legitimately comes up, then I do put out corrections. I have put out correction videos before. So it's probably not extremely accurate to say that they're wrong. It's just what I feel. I feel like videos that are older than two or three months in my catalog are complete garbage, not worth watching, they're awful. The editing was just garbage, everything about it was garbage and it's a rolling three months. So in a month, the videos I made two months ago will be garbage uh, where I feel fine about them at this immediate moment. So I don't know which video you were watching when you you know, came to this conclusion. It could have been a really, really old one, but I've got some newer ones that I will stand behind like the debunk of the CES letter and things like that. I'll stand behind those for sure. I know that what you're saying isn't about doctrine. What you're saying is that it's it's about feelings and it's about family and 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 things like that. That's fine. That's that's okay. But I wasn't debunking that. I was debunking people who directly address the doctrine and claim Joseph Smith found these golden plates and translated them in this really bizarre way and got the translations objectively wrong. We know because we have some of these papyrus hieroglyphics. We found them in museums and we just know he translated it incorrectly. We know that this is garbage. So you can believe this stuff for family reasons and because you feel it to be true. And that's fine with me, 100% fine, no issue with that. But you can't tell me that the doctrine is correct because it's not, and I get the assumption you're not trying to say that since you said it's about family. And you can't tell me that you are on any more solid ground in your belief system than a Muslim or a Jehovah's Witness or a Catholic Because they all say the exact same thing. They believe it because they feel it's true. That might be good enough for you. And that might be good enough for the Catholic or the Muslim or the Hindu or the Buddhist or the whatever. It's not good enough for me. I need more than a feeling. I need some hard evidence. I need hard evidence or I simply cannot believe it. And the doctrine does not bear that evidence out. It's just not there. When we come back, we're going to talk about polls measuring religiosity in the U.S. So give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In mixed news for atheists, Democrats' religiosity has withered in the last 12 years. This is by Terry Firma on the Friendly Atheist website. Fodder for the right-wing outrage machine. This is a quote. The percentage of Democrat and Democrat-leaning voters who identify as Christian has sharply declined since 2008, according to a new report by the Pew Research Center. The report found that while 73% of Democrat voters were Christian in 2008, by 2019 the percentage had dropped to 52%. The large decline came for the subset of white Christians, who went from 45% of Democrat voters to 26%. Non-white Christians had a smaller decline of 28%, to 25 during the same time period. So if you're watching the actual clip on YouTube or something, you'll be able to see this chart basically detailing exactly what's happening here. Let's continue reading. Voters on the right have been shedding their Christianity too, but not nearly as dramatically. Here's a quote. Republican and Republican-leaning voters also saw a drop in self-identified Christians during that time period, going from 87% in 2008 to 79% in 2019. With Republicans, the white Christian subset fell from 77% in 2008 to 66%, though the non-white Christian percentage increased during the same time period, from 10% to 14%. 78% of white evangelicals identified as Republican or Republican leaning, versus 17% who identified as Democrat or Democrat leaning. Last July, Pew released a report that found only 38% of Democrats viewed the impact of churches on the culture as positive, a 19 point drop from 2010. By contrast, the 2019 report found that 68% of Republicans viewed the impact of churches on the culture as positive, a 6% drop from 2010. So it is dropping, basically. What they're saying here is that the viewpoint that churches are a positive impact on society is less widely accepted than it was 10 years ago, which is good news. This is Terry Firma speaking. The news of religious feelings slowly collapsing among left-leaning Americans fills my non-believer heart with gladness, but it's worrying too, because the trend indicates greater ideological separation between left and right, and a probable rise in toxic partisanship. On top of that, the poll is a gift to Republicans who seem to believe, falsely, that religion is a moral anchor, and that Democrats lack it. I could see some GOP operatives turning the Pew numbers into a pretty effective campaign ad soon. Yeah, I agree, for sure. The country is so extremely divided right now and very extreme, very polarized. I've never in my life seen it this polarized. The right hates the left and the left hates the right. There is no center anymore, it's it's like, Everybody wants to put everyone else into a category and hate them for it. It's nuts. I don't hate anybody for anything. I don't hate anybody for anything. I can disagree with you on things and still like you. It's, it's okay. Zolfner, one of my super chatters over here, is a Trump supporter or has been. I imagine probably still is. And that's okay. That should be okay. It should be okay to have disagreements on things and talk about shit. That's what the First Amendment is all about, isn't it? Debate, working through things, talking about things, not hating each other, not tearing each other down over it. Work together and figure shit out. That's what it's all about. Let's continue reading. Terry Firma says, Christian Post reporter Michael Graboski in discussing the poll results briefly revisits the idea that democrats have a god problem <laughs> what does that mean 3 years ago a democratic strategist called Brad Kism was among the people who claimed that some of the most vital moral advancements in us history happened largely through the influence of church and churchgoers really um that doesn't that doesn't sound right to me at all uh i'm trying to think of an example here and, and I'm just coming up short. Here's a quote. You look at women's suffrage, civil rights, the abolition of slavery, and all of these massive other changes. Religion and religious people have played a role in moving society toward a higher plane, said Kism. Uh, I just want to point something out. Um, people who were pro-slavery were quoting the Bible to defend it. Like, the South in the Civil War was using Bible quotes to defend slavery. So don't give me this bullshit about they were pushing for slavery to end. That's absolutely not true. Here's a quote from Terry Firma. Said Kism, who is concerned about the perception that the Democratic Party is becoming estranged from people of faith. Kism's take looks like some serious historical revisionism to me, but I'll leave the rebuttals for another time. For now, and given the events of the past 10 days, no one can credibly say that Democrats, God-inspired or not, are under-motivated in trying to effect great and overdue social change. Yeah. Weirdly, Republicans seem to be, like, against the protesters, generally speaking, and... Democrats seem to be in favor of the protesters' requests, generally speaking. I mean, that's not a hard and fast rule, but that's what it's like. Wait, why? Who in their right mind would be against what the protesters want? They just want equality. I it, it completely blows my mind that anybody would be against this. I just do not get it. And it's really, really heartbreaking sometimes to see people stepped on for hundreds of years and just not see an end in sight. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Westboro Baptist Church and the precarious position they've found themselves in since there aren't any public funerals to protest. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I wanted to read is called Without Public Funerals, Westboro Baptist Church is Struggling to Spread Hate. This is by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website. So let's give the article a read and see what it says. A friend asked me this question over the weekend. What's Westboro Baptist Church been up to lately? These people are monsters. These people are monsters. I've done a video about them before Um It got demonetized and suppressed. Honestly, rightfully so. It's a hard subject to cover. They are bad people. Genuinely, in the bottom of their heart, they're bad people. Vicious people. They, let me just try to give a a basic explanation of who this group is. They're kind of a splinter of Baptist Church. It's named after the city that they're from, I believe. They got famous for basically picketing and protesting funerals, and they have really, really horrific signs that say really terrible stuff. Like, they are famous for protesting the funerals of soldiers, like soldiers who died in war or whatever they will go to these funerals and say God killed him on purpose and God laughs. A soldier dies and God laughs, that kind of thing. Real awful stuff. Super homophobic people. Not good. I can't even even explain all of the bad stuff they've done because it's just not fit for YouTube, period. But I do have a video on it, if you're curious, on my main channel. Just Google Westboro Baptist Church on my channel. Anyway, let's give this story a read and see what it says. The Christian group known for its God-hates signs has been relatively silent. Their Twitter account hasn't posted or responded to anything since late January, mostly because they shifted to Gab, a Twitter alternative targeting a far-right user base. By the way, there are only, I think, like 70 members. At one point, there were 77, and I think a few of them died off. The leader died, and it was taken over by, like, their kid or something. Some of the leader's children have escaped Megan Phelps Roper, I believe. The leader was a lawyer before he died, and he got into all kinds of really messed up stuff. Anyway, let's continue reading. They've shifted to Gab, where they have less exposure to the world, but even there, they don't post that often. And with public gatherings virtually non-existent because of the pandemic, they really don't have anywhere to protest. Outside of a brief showing at the Kansas Capitol this weekend, their schedule has necessarily been light. I've never heard of Gab before. I'm going to have to take a look at that. It sounds like it's, you know, full of stuff to debunk. How's that for irony? The people known for picketing outside funerals can't spread hate because there aren't public funerals right now. They've embraced COVID-19 too, calling it God's perfect work. It's also not a surprise. They see all suffering as a consequence of sin. A look at their public schedule is frankly hilarious because nearly every event they plan to attend has been postponed. Look at this. American Mental Health Counselors Association Annual Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. Wow. God sent the coronavirus in fury. Deuteronomy twenty eight fifty eight to 61. American Mental Health Counselors Association Annual Conference in Las Vegas postponed. Elton John at Sprint Center in Kansas City, Montana. Or is that Missouri? That's Missouri. Elton John at Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. I should have known by the fact that it said Kansas City that it was Missouri, not Montana. What am I thinking? Maui churches in Maui, Hawaii. Wow, they're getting all the way to Hawaii. So that they're protesting that too. Fascinating. Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 104th Indy 500 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Republican National Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Maroon 5 at Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Again, I got it right that time. Even at the bottom, where the August events are listed, it's clear they just haven't updated the site. The DNC will likely be all virtual. The RNC won't be in that location anymore after Donald Trump's recent temper tantrum, and the Maroon 5 concert has been postponed. The idea of traveling to different cities and appearing outside large public gatherings no longer seems viable. Considering how the church's notoriety springs from people seeing them spread their bigotry, it looks like the pandemic has stopped them dead in their tracks. Maybe God is sending them a sign. That's funny. Thing about Westboro Baptist Church, though, is they're probably still holding services and still keeping people fired up inside the, the pews. And it truly doesn't get more hateful than this. Somebody asked me, what's the biggest and most harmful cult out there. And I was saying that it's like it's like a virus in many ways. Cults are like viruses. They operate like viruses do. If the cult is moderate and not terribly extreme, the public doesn't react viscerally to it and they can bring more people in. That that's how it works with religion more generally. If the group doesn't ban you from talking to critics, if they don't push strict control methods on you, they're more likely to bring people in. The more tight control they hold on people, the more extreme beliefs they have, the more money it costs to be a member, the fewer members you're going to have, but the more zealous they're going to be, the more extreme they're going to be. Scientology, it's been estimated they have like 40,000 members, give or take. It. It. We don't have actual numbers, so... Based on the information I have and the people that I've talked to, they estimate it's about 40,000 members, as opposed to Jehovah's Witnesses' 8.5 million members, because Scientology costs a lot of money to be a part of. It's very extreme, takes up your entire life. Where Jehovah's Witnesses, it doesn't really cost any money to be a member necessarily doesn't have to cost money to be a member Uh, they make most of their money through real estate schemes not so much membership donations even though their belief system is fairly extreme that one difference leads to Jehovah's Witnesses being more widely available to more people it's kind of like economics too in addition to being like viruses juxtapose what I just described with cults with viruses and how they operate. If you have a virus that kills, say, 90% of the people that it infects, it's not going to be able to spread as easily because it's killing all the people that it infects. It It isn't giving these people a chance to continue spreading it and propagating it, so it's not going to spread as far. That's why Ebola, generally speaking, isn't really the kind of thing you have to worry about turning into a pandemic. It it stays on the epidemic level because it kills like 90% of the people that are infected with it. Whereas the coronavirus for example, there's a big long incubation period where people are still infectious for like 14 days before they actually show symptoms and it and it it only kills like between 1 and I don't know, four or five percent depending on where you are and what kind of healthcare you're dealing with. It's the same thing with cults and viruses and economics. In economics with elastic demands, when you're selling something that people don't necessarily need, kind of things that they just would like to have, like I sell on my Etsy store, people don't need my stands that I sell, my retro game stands. I don't set the price ultimately the consumer sets the price. So if I set the price to like $20 for a tiny little stand this big, people just aren't gonna buy it. They're just not gonna buy it because they don't need it that much. It's not worth that much to them. If I lower the price to say $10 for a little tiny stand, it'll be more likely that people will buy it from me. If I set it to 99 cents, not only are people who need it going to buy it, but people may see it and think to themselves, you know what? I mean, it's 99 cents. Why not? It's making it available to a wider audience by lowering the cost. It's the same with cults and religions. It's making itself available to a wider audience by lowering the social cost that you have to pay to be a part of it. So with Jehovah's Witnesses, the social cost or even the monetary cost is lower than with Scientologists so they can bring more people in. That's kind of how it works. Well, with the Westboro Baptist Church, it's like 70 people total as, as members of this cult. The social cost to being a part of this group is is really, really high. That's why they can't bring any other members in. But they're vicious. And the people that are in are pretty much in it for life. I mean, you hear the odd story of somebody escaping the Westboro Baptist Church, like Megan Phelps Roper, for example, one of the daughters of the founder. But it's, it's rare that somebody f- finally manages to escape because they get their claws in you and, it, and they stay in you. So anyway, I I hope I didn't get too far into the weeds with those analogies, but I thought it was pretty interesting. That's where I'm going to end it for the night. Appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.